0: Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all-natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off what's up open floor globe this is ben golver with the washington post i am joined but not on the other line actually hunched over a table in his hotel room by michael pina of sb Nation. now michael this is what i'm gonna call a real love of the game podcast because right now as we speak there is a table full of people playing spades and listening to tupac shakur at the bar at your hotel one level below that is hundreds of, media, hundreds of media members eating fine food, including deep dish pizza, fancy hot dogs, and everything else that Chicago has to offer. But you and I, like two absolute hopeless degenerates are up in your hotel room about to break down the entirety of All-Star Weekend. How does that make you feel? Are you questioning your life choices here sitting next to me with me, uh, cornering you in your own hotel room?
1: I mean, hopeless degenerates, I would say lovable diehards. That's how I would describe us right now. We're passing up the deep dish, passing up the hot dogs for the love of the game.
0: Well, look, that's how the open floor globe would certainly describe us. And I know they appreciate our hard work and effort here. So hopefully they're going to carry us through what should be a thrilling episode. We're going to run down the winners and losers of the 2020 NBA All-Star Weekend. And if it's not clear already, the two biggest losers with L's on our foreheads would be you and I. But (laughs) there's plenty of other people that we can bag on here, and it's going to be a loose, freewheeling episode. I'm not going to lie. Haven't slept very much over the last four days and have plenty of heater takes to get off my chest. Michael, we just got done watching the All-Star Game, and so we should start there. I'm curious. Uh, We ran into an NBA PR official who had a huge grin on his face as he was eating a plate of plain turkey. (laughs) And as far as I could tell, that is what's called a victory lap. He looked very, very pleased with the new All-Star Game format, where they basically added 24 points uh, as a target score in the fourth quarter. They had a very compelling late game stretch, Giannis playing defense, LeBron trying to go for the haymaker three-pointer, LeBron dunking uncontested, back and forth action both ways, you know, guys getting tied up for jump balls, a referee wiping away a potential game-winning three-pointer by James Harden, and then the whole thing ending in somewhat anticlimactic fashion with Anthony Davis hitting the the game-winning free throw uh, at the end for Team LeBron to eke out a 157 155 victory in the All Star Game. So, is this NBA PR guy and the NBA's brain trust are they big winners here for All Star Weekend? Did their new idea work? Yeah, I guess. My
1: I'm gonna Start it off with a question for you, Ben. Were you confused at all with the format when you were watching it live?
0: No, I actually graduated from second grade math. So, you know, <laughs> I, it wasn't complicated. This wasn't calculus or even pre-calculus, even geometry or you know anything else along those lines. I understood what was happening. I will say there was a couple of disorienting moments. First of all, when they did wipe the score for the second quarter and we were just back to zero, and then you're like almost to halftime and the score is like in the 20s, that was a little just weird, you know? And then when there wasn't a clock in the fourth quarter, I found myself thinking like, well, how are you supposed to plan time score situations when there's no time? You know, like my, my old school basketball brain. Uh, was starting to break. but there it was clearly a strategic wrinkle. It created for some really interesting end game decisions. For example, you know LeBron, uh, team LeBron was going for that uh, potential game winning three pointer on a couple possessions. and then LeBron realized they didn't need to do that. They could qu- take the quick two. He drives the hoop, gets the quick two. It's the right basketball plate uh, in that situation, especially. And so that you know, got my wheels turning a little bit. Um, in general, though, I think the NBA can declare this a win. It was a pretty flat game through the first half, but it certainly picked up in the fourth quarter. Giannis said that he hopes that they keep the format for years going forward. Um, I'd be okay with that. Usually I'm fairly resistant to change, but on this one, you know, maybe I'm a reluctant convert.
1: I, I love the format. I, I Echoing something that Nick Nurse said after the game in his press conference, it felt like a playoff game. I mean, that is that's exactly what you want. You have Giannis defending LeBron in key spots, uh, basically humbling LeBron in a way that, you know, it's obviously an exhibition, and so you don't want to take too much away from it, but both guys were trying very hard. And Giannis shut him down, blocked a shot in embarrassing fashion.
0: So just to be clear, I've got you cornered in your hotel room, but I don't have a knife on you or a gun on you, right? I mean, you're making these (laughs) comments in favor of Giannis of your own free volition, right? I am
1: 100%. Giannis also won the postgame press conference in multiple (laughs) ways that I'm sure we can get into if we want.
0: I think we should get into it right now. What exactly did Giannis say that made you laugh so much that on the car ride over you and I were (laughs) cackling and the cabbie was about to pull the thing over because he's like, who are these? Do nut jobs
1: yeah i mean it, usually as this these things go players are very cordial with one another players do not call each other out by name or well, divulge strategy
0: as i describe it it's the generic praise olympics right like yes. everybody comes here and oh camba is just a great locker room guy mm-hmm. oh donovan mitchell just a winning personality Rudy Gobert, that's the stifle tower. If you need someone in the back line of your defense, he's your guy. That's what we get for three days straight, right? Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. And Giannis threw that out the window. (laughs) Um, To say the least. Basically let the world know that their strategy down the stretch was, uh, basically the quote is, offensively we were just trying to find whoever James Harden was guarding. That's who we thought we had an opportunity to score on. What I love about that quote
0: is it's sort of like a typical NBA quote where it's like simple statement and then like also still another simple explanation. But usually that is something that you would do for a nice person, right? It's like Kawhi Leonard found me with the basketball tonight. He really is an underrated passer. Like that's sort of how these compliments go. But in this case, it was like, okay, I'm going to shiv you in the stomach (laughs) by saying that we were targeting you for the fourth quarter Uh, of the all-star game because you're the weakest link on the court i'm taking the dagger out and now i'm plunging it a little bit higher into your chest and explaining that we did that because we thought you would give up all the points right
1: yeah and what's really funny is i was on press row watching with a few other media members and i i was pointing out to them i was like yo they are attacking james harden here that is hilarious and on the other end you know uh Team LeBron was attacking Kemba Walker, which is natural. He's the smallest guy on the floor. That's what you would do in an actual NBA game, which I thought really made it really cool. There was actual strategy. These guys really wanted to win, and it was just hilarious that Giannis, like, you didn't need to say it out loud, but when you do say it out
0: loud like that, it's just hilarious. I also felt bad for James Harden. I don't know if I would totally call him a loser because obviously he was on the winning team and he held up well enough late in the game that I actually thought Team Giannis' offense broke down at times and really wasn't kind of getting the looks that Mm -hmm. they wanted. It's an awful lot of Joel Embiid trying to post people up and Kemba Walker throwing the ball into the 16th row. Uh,
1: Joel Embiid was not passing the ball to Giannis down the stretch. Did Mm. anyone else know that? He kept it on a switch where he tried to back in LeBron from the three-point line, which is just like an unheard of basketball strategy. Now, he did draw a foul, which I have not seen the replay, but may have been a questionable call because questionable calls were kind of a thing that was happening down the stretch. But a lot of Joel Embiid at the end is what
0: I'm remembering right now. For sure, and you know I love to use single game plus minus when it helps me make Fun of players, <laughs> even though it's not the most accurate measure. But we did see Joel Embiid and Beating Kemba Walker both as minus 11s. I believe that was uh, the game worst for both teams. It was, and to me, it really stood out. Um, not to be just you know a completely typical Western Conference elitist, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, if I was a Sixers fan or a Celtics fan, I'm a little bit nervous after watching that game, Michael. Like I know you, you got a little uh, you know green beer in your system every once in a while from the Boston side. Did Kemba just um, losing control of his body and, uh, you know, treating the basketball as if it was something he wanted to neglect worry you at all? Like, is this going to be a, a flash forward to what we're going to see in the playoffs You on know, the first time he's ever really had uh, significant expectations and pressure on him here in the, uh, in the postseason? Okay, okay, okay. I just want to say, first of all, Kemba
1: uh his green jacket wardrobe whatever uh robe i should say that he was wearing was just a plus 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 if we're doing a winners and losers we need to just that's number one winner of the weekend yeah
0: go look up the video his the jacket or i guess it is a (laughs) robe plus the balenciaga shirt plus the diamond encrusted chain was a triple crown win for the ages it was awkward that you wore exactly the same thing though did that make you feel uncomfortable Like we're... We have the same stylist. I don't know what, what you want me to do about that.
1: But, uh, no, Kemba on the court, you know, he finished with 23 points, which is the second highest on his team. Uh, he was efficient, 5 for 11 from the three-point line, 9 for 18 from the floor. Uh, I have no problems with, with him, really, um, in the game. I thought he was fine, and teams are going to attack him defensively, but... We're not turning this into a Celtics conversation, but the Celtics have ways to combat that defensively that this team was not prepared for.
0: I'm just going to say this diplomatically in the generic (laughs) praise Olympics. I look forward to Brad Stevens, you know, scheming around Kemba Walker on the defensive end. Because, you know, we were talking about that Toronto-Boston series, which could happen, you Mm -hmm. know, and like everybody, and I'm circling it. I don't know if you are probably too. Uh, nick nurse would scare me a little bit if i was a celtics fan knowing that kemba walker is out there on the court and that he has to be out there um in terms of other winners and losers from the all-star game i would give a big winner to mark davis as soon as they started the game he's an official and i think at this point he is the official that i noticed the most out of every official because we don't have Bavetta anymore we don't have joey crawford anymore uh, he's he- carrying the torch He really is carrying the torch, and so many of the younger officials, and this is something that players complain about, but I think it's actually something that the NBA defends the officials from. They're a little bit robotic now, right? They want the guys to be more even killed interchangeable, um, less kind of personality-driven, but Mark Davis can't help himself, man. I think he's actually a pretty good ref, but he is the number one... Uh, chip on his shoulder, ref, in the entire league right now. And as soon as he went out there to throw the jump ball, I said to the guy next to me, I swear to God that I said this. I said, Mark Davis is going to be the MVP tonight. (laughs) He's gunning for the Kobe Bryant trophy. And sure enough, late in the game, James Harden hits the miraculous walk-off three-pointer to deliver the the, uh, triumphant victory. The entire team LeBron's jumping out on the court into anticipation. But what does Mark Davis do? Nope. Charging foul, cause Kyle Lowry flop like a fish thirty feet from the hoop, or going the other way, the game continues, and it winds up ending on a free throw and there's fans booing as the game ended. Um to me, MVP performance for Mark Davis.
1: I feel like the refs really got caught up in the Elam ending as much as the players did. <laughs> like they thought this was an actual NBA Finals game. They were looking around, oh, there's Giannis, there's LeBron, this is there's Kawhi. This must be a very important Uh, exhibition here, a real game that matters, Um, and no, it it doesn't matter, and it would have been a lot cooler if they were a little less hands-on down the stretch. That would have been nice. I did not like that the game ended... With a free throw. Now it was a little more dramatic than I anticipated, just because AD missed the first one, and that was cool, and everyone was, you know, standing and. The there was a screen. lot
0: of pressure on that second free throw, wasn't there?
1: I said to the person next to me, I was like, "This is literally the biggest free throw of Anthony Davis's life. Can you think of
0: anything bigger? It's the biggest moment. And the last time he faced <laughs> real pressure was when he was checking in for uh, the Olympic team, in, in what was it, uh, 2000 and, in uh, twelve, twelve. And he forgot to have his jersey on, and Kobe yelled at him for not having his jersey on. So, I think he handled the pressure slightly better this time. Uh, it was pretty funny that he missed a free throw, but I do want to do one other winner and loser breakdown here. I mean, we got LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard as teammates. To me, it was pretty fascinating, and uh, it was a reminder that Kawhi had his choice last summer. Kawhi chose not to play with LeBron, but had they played together, that team would have been absolutely filthy. Now, Kawhi wound up getting MVP honors, he finished with 30 points. On eleven of eighteen shooting, hit eight three pointers, had seven rebounds, four assists. Now LeBron had twenty-three points. He was nine for twenty from the field, two of ten on threes, five rebounds, six assists. But was what was interesting to me in crunch time, didn't Kawhi defer to LeBron? didn't we see that just a little bit? I mean, LeBron had a couple of potential game winners. He had the dunk that I mentioned to put them on the precipice of victory. He had the passing Anthony Davis on the ceiling play, um, you know, the, the game winning play essentially. And it's not like Kawhi was hiding in the corner. I mean, apparently they were drawing up a, a play for him, you know, late in that game. It just didn't kind of go that direction for him. But I thought LeBron actually had a pretty strong argument to win uh, MVP here. What'd you think?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at NBA.com's stats page for the the box score of the game, and you know, Kawhi had 25 in the first half uh, in 13 minutes, which is just like, what is even happening here? And I made a joke on press row that uh, LeBron would be telling Frank Vogel to bench Kawhi <laughs> for the rest of the game because he wanted to win the first Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP award, and uh, I believe Kawhi played. Less than eight minutes in the second half, which is just like <laughs> incredible. Um Only scored five points, so uh, now, now the minute totals are they
0: off because of the fourth quarter being different? The
1: fourth, I, I, I was talking about this someone. I don't understand how they calculate that because we were talking about it before, like in real time. There's no clock, right? So in real time, it's like. What was it like 20 minutes was actually the fourth quarter so right.
0: i don't know yeah, how that works but so i think that kawaii played a little bit more than it seems like in the second half just yeah. because of the way this box score worked but it did seem like lebron stepped forward in that moment and there were some shades of 2012 because remember late in that game kobe like got up in lebron's face famously and was like daring him to shoot the ball and, and like almost challenging his manhood in profane fashion it was kind of a famous uh You know chapter of lebron's career because he hadn't won a title at that point and they wind up winning the first title a few months later um and it was always used as this example of like kobe plays one way lebron plays quote-unquote the right way by choosing the pass rather than (laughs) the shot
1: the right way that's a good way to put it
0: well you know what i mean like he goes a little bit overboard and there's times where you wish he would shoot the ball late Mm -hmm. Uh, he took that one three from the top just wasn't able to make it and then wound up making the right play by feeding anthony davis and and getting them the game-winning basket um one other guy that I think we should point out here as a winner would be Chris Paul. Now, I believe you're going to write a story about him upcoming here for um, uh, SB Nation. Chris Paul played down the stretch of that entire game in place of Luka Doncic. Luka seemed like he was kind of bouncing off the walls on the sideline, like he wanted he to be back in the game. He was hilarious, man. Yeah, he yeah. was hilarious. So what did you think about that Chris Paul-Luka dynamic?
1: Um I was a little... I don't know if I was surprised that Chris Paul closed the game. Look, he's 34 years old. He has not been an All-Star since... uh, He was 30 in his second-to-last season with the Los Angeles Clippers, which... Like feels like I was a freshman in high school when that happened. It was like a million years ago. So to even think about the last time he was an all star, if he's ever going to be an all star again, not only is he an all star again, he's having you know he's leading the Oklahoma City Thunder through the Cinderella season, and he finishes with like twenty three points I think or something ridiculous, six yeah. assists and
0: twenty three and six plus thirteen. He had the best plus minus on Team LeBron in the whole game.
1: Yeah, in the whole game. Uh, and you know after the game, I asked Frank Vogel about. Uh, the experience of coaching Chris Paul and his decision to play him down the stretch and you know Frank was basically like he's someone who came to me earlier in the day and was like I want to win this game this game actually matters to me I don't play in basketball games to lose and Frank was laughing about it so that's just kind of the energy that Chris Paul brings to the table. and he... Well,
0: the part that that story that Frank left out was LeBron coming in at halftime and saying, look, we're playing my buddy Chris. You can tell Luca that he can sit on the bench down the stretch. And, you know, Frank took his orders.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then, you know, one thing that kind of hit me Early in the game watching was how much I missed watching Chris Paul in All-Star games. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's a different type of vibe to an All-Star game when you have someone who is just so brilliant at setting people up and like controlling pace, controlling tempo, orchestrating everything. Uh, I felt good when Chris Paul had the ball. It's not like I care who wins or loses, but it's just like I trust that something good will happen. A brilliant basketball play will take place whenever Chris Paul has the ball in his hands.
0: No, it's a great point. And the other great thing about it is like when you have those great orchestrators, whether it's Chris Paul, LeBron, um, you know, Luka, and you've got ridiculous weapons on all sides, then it's like, okay, we can see how many different tricks these guys can pull out of their bags and have them be – you know successful and you know that it it really is fun to have high IQ unselfish players on the court uh, in the big moments and you know that's what we saw Um, I think we've covered this game you know fairly thoroughly was there anything else on the all-star game you wanted to um, bring up or can we switch to my I don't know if I want to call it pet peeve or high horse or whatever it might be which would be the dunk contest uh, no, I, I, just, I guess the last thing I want to
1: say is that, uh, as someone who thinks that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the world, winning all-star MVP the way he did, uh, validates that to some degree. And I'm happy to be on that team.
0: Yeah. Uh, was your guy, Jason Tatum in this game? Did he play? Damn, that was
1: was a low (laughs) low blow out of nowhere. Um, Uh, Tatum made some great passes, I want to say. One over the shoulder, and uh, we don't need to get too deep in the widths with him, but he'll be
0: fine. It's not a low blow. That's what they call (laughs) it. It's a preemptive strike, okay? Because I'm I'm prepared for the next four minutes, or four months, rather, to turn into a Jason Tatum love fest on this podcast from you. And uh, I'm just, you know letting you know that he didn't show up in the biggest moments all right he wasn't there uh i tease i tease uh, if anyone really lost from this game to me i think it was mb um, of all of them and i don't know what if that says anything but uh, i think there was some excitement about him playing late in games in last year's all-star game um i just thought they should have benched him personally and I, I don't know Giannis did such a bad job drafting i don't know exactly who i would have replaced him with we we have not mentioned rudy gobert Rudy Gobert was a
1: monster in this game. Well done. And remember, like when we were previewing the game, we were talking about how Rudy should just be Rudy and like <laughs> roll to the rim, protect the rim on the defensive end, and he was doing that. It was incredible to see. I mean, I forget who was who challenged him at the basket, but he rejected them, and it was it was awesome.
0: Yeah, I think probably what happened was that Nick Nurse was wearing, like, a pager on his belt, and Masai was, like, paging him, look, like, we're probably going to have to trade for Joel Embiid so that we can pair him with Giannis in two years, so, like, make sure these guys get as many minutes as possible in our recruiting strategy because— Otherwise, that's just a nonsensical decision. Hey guys, what's up? This is Ben Golver with a message from Mattress Firm. The only thing better than watching your team win is a perfect nap. And Mattress Firm's President's Day sale lets you get a king mattress for a queen price or a queen mattress for a twin price for savings of up to $600. And you can take home a free adjustable base with a qualifying purchase. But you have to hurry. The clock is ticking on this sale. It's ending soon. Isn't it time you saved and slept like a champion? Shop now. Mattressfirm.com. Mattressfirm.com for the President's Day sale. Um, Let's talk about this slam dunk contest, Michael. This was, I would say one of the worst judged events or just officiated events or whatever you want to say in the history of athletic achievement and activity uh, that I I wouldn't even just limit it to the dunk contest. It was like right up there with the quote unquote Russian judge fiascos from the Olympics. It was unbelievably shady. So shady that the guy who won said it was fishy at the end. (laughs) And he just came right out and said it. Now, if you guys didn't see it, I don't know what's wrong with you. But basically, Derek Jones Jr. wound uh, wound up beating Aaron Gordon in sort of the final dunk off that we predicted between sort of the two best guys. Um, it went to sort of overtimes on the final round. Derek Jones Jr. dunked from just inside the free throw line, uh, nice clean dunk. But uh, Aaron Gordon came out with the big surprise guest, brought out Taco Fall, who's seven foot five, uh, Boston Celtics uh, victory cigar center. Jumped over the top of him. Did clip his head slightly on the descent. Slightly. <laughs> okay, decapitated Taco Fall, who is now only 6'9". possession protocol. Because of the stub at his neck. Um, but completed the dunk. And this was after he had already registered five straight 50s. There's this extended debate about, okay, what score is he going to get? It seems like they're trying to set it up for a tie, as it was reported later by ESPN.com. They got the math wrong suspiciously by one point and Derek Jones Jr. was named the champion. Michael, before I just tee off here for 45 minutes straight, what did you make of the whole thing? I know you love the dunk contest in general. Are you going to try to spin this to me like it was the craziness made it more entertaining, or did it ruin the night for you?
1: It did not ruin the night because the dunks that we got out of basically everybody. I I don't want to shortchange uh, Pat Connaughton, who really impressed me with the dunk over Giannis, which I called. Um, I did not predict that he would tap it off the glass before finishing, which was incredible, and something that I didn't catch watching it live, which kind of defeated the climactic uh, enthusiasm about the dunk. But, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon wasn't, like, he was just uh, an athletic marvel doing ridiculous things. The dunk that he threw down where Markel Fultz, first of all, bringing Markel Fultz into it with his whole history uh, really up the ante and up the drama. And so Markel basically screws up a pass off the side of the backboard. Aaron Gordon manages to catch it with one hand, 360 cock back, throws it down so violently. That was my favorite dunk of the night by far. Uh, So if you complete a dunk like that and you don't win, there's obviously something wrong with the system. That being said, Derek Jones Jr.'s dunks were like very smooth, very flawless. Um, Throwing it down between your legs with jumping over someone as he throws it off the backboard. I've never seen that before. That was absolutely incredible. Uh, Speaking as someone in the audience um, on media row, everyone was standing, clapping, going insane. Uh, so, from that perspective, it was fun. Uh, we got great dunks. Dwight Howard's first dunk was underrated, I thought. Um, I also needed to see a replay of that one, which was kind of a bummer, but uh, couldn't appreciate it in the moment. Um, I liked all the dunks overall.
0: And Well, that's what made it worse, Michael. I'm sorry, because <laughs> I've got to jump in here, because this was a classic dunk contest. As you've described, Connaughton Conna- Conna- was fantastic. Mm. Dwight we can just erase from our memory banks, although the first dunk was somewhat interesting. Derek Jones Jr. was phenomenal. Aaron Gordon was an all-time performance from start to finish. Now, the dunk you highlighted was the best dunk of the night to me. It reminded me a lot of 2016 when he lost to Zach Levine, when his butt dunk to me was the best dunk of the night. And again, he he lost uh, you know, in, in double overtime in that contest. But here's the problem. I'm not a guy who rants about officials and judges very often. I try to give them every benefit of the doubt. I think even last week when we were talking about Damian Lillard's fiasco, uh, you know, with him going off on the referees, Mm -hmm. I was the one who stood up for the referees and said, look, these guys take their craft seriously. They dwell on their mistakes. Um, They want to be held accountable. They know they're not perfect. And if they just get crushed by people who are making way more money than them when they screw up, that doesn't do anybody any good. We can't say any of those things about these slam-down contest judges. They didn't take their job seriously. They yeah. all make more money than Pat Connett <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, well, well jumped in there. Uh, but they didn't take it seriously. They didn't call it fairly. They didn't hold a consistent standard. The most ridiculous part about it: Dwight Howard had the worst dunk of the entire dunk contest when he had the Superman cape and the the throw from uh, the uh, the lob throw from Jameer Nelson. That got a 49. That got a higher score than either one of the final dunks: Aaron Gordon jumping over Taco Fall, and Derek Jones Jr. almost jumping from the free throw line. That's the most ridiculously inconsistent standard. And Michael, if you can't tell, Captain Accountability here is just absolutely fired up. First of all, I believe the Dwayne Wade conspiracies entirely because as soon as the- So do I. So just to, to paint that part, he was hearing from the TNT commentators his various advice. He is a former teammate of Derrick Jones Jr., which is a completely ridiculous conflict of interest that never should have been allowed <laughs> by the NBA when we're talking about the dunk contest judging. And he wound up being one of the three judges who gave Aaron Gordon's final dunk a nine, which basically cost him the title, right? Now, Gordon came out, he was so incensed that he, his quotes, what are we doing, man? Jumping over somebody's seven foot five and dunking is no easy feat. What did I get, a 47? Come on, what are we doing? I don't even know who gave me the nines. I'm going to find them. We're here to do, and that's a bad sign when the guy who lost is threatening the judges. He continues, <laughs> we're here to do four dunks. It should be the best out of four dunks. I did four straight fifties, actually five straight fifties. That should be over. That's a wrap. Let's go home. 450s in a row in an NBA dunk contest, it's over. I don't know who is running the show. So there you're getting him kind of, you know, questioning almost the integrity I, of the contest.
1: I just want to say I love that quote so much, who is running the show? I saw that in person live when I was sitting down in the in the press conference and just like threw up my hands. I was like, give this man something, like Jesus Christ. And
0: an even better quote, arguably, it's a rap, bro saying that he's retiring <laughs> from the dunk contest forever. I feel like I should have two trophies. It's over for that. So again, you have one of the greatest competitors in the entire history of a hallowed event, so disgusted by how the event was handled that he's pledging never to return, even though he could easily try to win it again next year if he wanted to. On top of all of this... As I mentioned, Derek Jones Jr. called the result fishy because of how long it took the judges to kind of reach their conclusion. Um, And then you had him saying, you know what, maybe they should have just given Aaron Gordon a 48 so we could have gone and had an extra round, right? And he was complaining about his own dunk score, um, you know, by the way, was saying that he should have gotten a 50 for his final dunk. So basically, neither one of those guys was happy. On top of that, though, as you mentioned, Pat Connaughton had a really strong dunk contest, and he got totally jobbed on his first dunk, which was only a 45. He was a little bit upset about it. Giannis was upset about it on his behalf, and a lot of the crowd was too. They were booing. And then the Dwight Howard dunk was the worst thing of the entire night. 49, give me a freaking break. Michael, if I gave you like three months free subscription to those shoes that they always have the commercials for that like are sort of like heels for men where they teach you how to like build up your uh, calf strength. I think you could have done Dwight Howard's dung <laughs> without actually that much practice that gets a 49 get out of town just to wrap this all up all four competitors are affected by the terrible judging there's booze throughout the, the contest from the crowd which is always a bad sign and when the event ended, there was more booze for Derrick Jones Jr., even though he had an excellent performance. This was not like a crowning achievement for Zach Levine in 2016, where the crowd was pretty happy for him. He got a lot of cheers. He comes out so enthused and happy. I mean, uh, Derek Jones Jr. was almost sheepish at times afterwards, and he tried to put on a confident face and spin it, but you could tell he understood that the whole thing was, uh, you know, at least muddied by the judging. And that's why I say for the dunk contest, everybody was losers, Michael we had Aaron Gordon obviously as a loser, heartbroken because he loses for the third time after, you know, needing a couple of years to rally from the drone dunk disaster that we described earlier this week. Can I can I jump in real quick and just say, are we sure Aaron Gordon is a loser? We'll get back to that, but I'm just saying it could have been a lot better for him. I consider him a loser. He wants the trophy. Ultimately, all these guys do, they want the recognition, the validation and the marketing opportunities, right? Loser for him. Derek Jones Jr. is a loser because he deserved to have a clean win without any controversy, and he didn't get it. It's one thing to have debate. You know, who should have won. It's another to have controversy. This definitely crossed the line. Uh, the judges were flat losers, especially Dwayne Wade, for trying to say that Aaron Gordon wouldn't care about this after the fact in his post on Contest comments. Get out of town, Dwayne Wade. Aaron Gordon certainly will care about it. He ripped off his jersey as he was leaving the, the press conference area. He was very frustrated. And then all the viewers were losers because they went home thinking, like, does this event even have any integrity? What are we in for next year? To me, the NBA has to do better. They're going to have to come up with some sort of a a setup to make the judges a little bit more independent from outside influence. And they're going to just need to tell these judges, vote for yourself. Don't try to, like, put your heads together and come up with some random score. Um, I just thought it was a very, very disappointing night. On top of all that, and this is my last point, John Morant, a guy you and I can agree, would be a dream contestant for next year after he tried to go behind his back with the slip dunk during the rising stars challenge and he's just so powerful off the off the hardwood and everything else he tweets that the nba is helping him make his decision easier and that you know implying that he's not going to be participating next year perfect great after i spent all weekend getting excited about the idea of zion being in the dunk contest john moran potentially being in the dunk contest and here's what we're left with a contest that was so shady and fishy that the highest-profile potential competitors want to have nothing to do with it. Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's
1: I, – I can't, like, argue with anything that you said right there. Good, because
0: I have 10 more minutes.
1: <laughs> and here we go. Here's why else I was mad. No, I'm kidding. Um, Aaron Gordon, I honestly feel like – well, let me, let me ask you a question, Ben. Uh, when you were watching it in in real time – in the arena, Aaron Gordon calls out Taco Fall. He clears Taco Fall. You know, we'll quibble with whether or not he actually cleared him. But oh, he no. d- but he we, completes.
0: We, we can say he didn't clear him.
1: Okay, did not clear him. But which is basically impossible. It's a seven five human being. Um, completes the dunk though, which is you know that's very impressive. If you basically if you jump over taco fall clear him or not clear him you complete the dunk on one try after whatever round this was it was like the seventh dunk seventh round basically that he that he was uh trying to complete that dunk on um make that dunk uh what are you what are you thinking in that moment do you believe that he's going to get a 50 do you think it's going to be a 48 are you expecting at least more dunks are you expecting no. that to be the the exclamation point what's going through your head
0: in that moment because derek jones jr had done kind of a similar dunk over and over from various places and because his last dunk to me was a little bit underwhelming compared to some of the previous ones i thought the door was wide open even after he clipped taco fall for that to be a 49 or a 50, it helped that they knew the benchmark, right? So it's like, look, if it's a 48 or or lower, he's not going to be the winner. All he needs is a 49 to win it. And I think that that dunk earned a 49. I'm not even saying you give it to him because of the previous dunks all being 50s. You give it to him because that was a better dunk than Derek Jones's final dunk. And that was the bar that was set. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't do that. I was stunned when they didn't go to the extra time and they just named Derrick Jones Jr. the winner. I think a lot of the fans um, were absolutely stunned and disappointed when that happened in the building. And again, to me, that's just a giant red flag because the people who go to that contest, generally speaking, it it costs a lot of money to go see it. Like, they are people who care about the result. There was a lot of investment in the building and the the fans wound up as losers in this thing too. But I do think that Aaron Gordon's press conference as good as his dunk contest was, his epic. press conference might have been better than his dunk Absolute, contest performance.
1: Absolutely epic performance in the presser from him. I thought it was just
0: great moments in no-cal history. I mean, just do, <laughs> just dropping <laughs> dropping the San Jose bros in there. It's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap, bro. It was just awesome. Uh, basically
1: saying that he was retiring from the dunk contest, but he would throw his name into the three-point contest next season. was just like one of the greatest double middle finger salutes of all time. Uh, I was a big fan of that. I was a big fan of him actually caring so much. Like, he was emotional uh, after he lost. He was on the court. I don't know if you saw this, but there's footage of him, like, verbally abusing NBA staffers, like, screaming at them with four fingers up, being like, what is going on? So, uh, I was, uh, like, that's what you want. You want people to care. That's really what matters here. He really cared. He really wanted to win. And I'll just speak from my own experience watching it. I have never been more surprised in any capacity at an All-Star Weekend event than I was when he got the 47. It made absolutely no sense to me.
0: Yeah, see, and here's the thing. Like, Dwayne Wade, in his comments after the contest, was like, oh, Aaron Gordon's a great player in this league. This isn't going to keep him up at night. He'll be okay. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that people who fix the student council elections at high school say. (laughs) They're like, oh, you know— Kevin's going to lose the, the student he's council president. He's going places. Yeah, Kevin's going to lose the student council president because I wanted my buddy John to win so he could have it on his resume and maybe it will help him get into state school. Uh, this other guy doesn't need it, but he's going to go to an Ivy League school anyways. Who cares? Dwayne, give it a break, man. You know these how, how hard these guys were competing. You could tell by the craft and Aaron Gordon. Uh, in everything that he had done, how well he had scripted his various dunks, just the diversity of dunks that he did, that he he really, really cared. I mentioned that to you last time about the 2017 dunk contest. Mm-hmm. He was so broken up about losing to Zach Levine in 2016 that he came back the next year, and he had spent, like, months planning out this whole drone dunk thing, and when it didn't go well, he was having a hard time like, getting himself composed after the fact. Of course you want these guys to care, and that's what's so frustrating about the judges. The judges getting in the way— interfering with the action is going to make guys who care not care as much it's going to undercut their investment in the uh in the entire uh you know endeavor and i i wrote a column about this you guys can check it out in the washington post but basically what i said was this all athletes want from judges or officials for them to call it both ways to provide a fair whistle to let the players decide the game and not to get in the way and i think when we look at these judges and i know this sounds like some real high horse stuff for me they didn't call it both ways. They had incredibly inconsistent decisions. There wasn't a fair whistle. They did not let the players decide it because they decided it with that last uh, verdict, and they did get in the way in a big-time manner throughout the entire contest, and that is so frustrating, and the NBA better learn from this.
1: How do you solve this problem, though? Like, it's always going to be subjective, right? Right. And obviously, you can never invite Dwayne Wade back.
0: (laughs) Well, I think, first of all, you should have people who really care about judging, right? And if they're not the most famous people, that's okay. That's number one. I just think that some of the people who they brought in were not ready for the moment. They were not taking their job seriously, right? That's number one. Number two, you need to sequester them a little bit. This is kind of like a jury situation. Imagine if Kenny Smith and Reggie Miller were allowed into the jury deliberation room (laughs) during a trial and be like, no, no, no that's my friend out there he didn't steal all those candy bars don't throw them in jail what are you doing guys and they just harped on that for 45 minutes you don't think that would influence the conversation a little bit um so that would be number two and the other thing too i would say is don't let the judges talk to each other if the judges want to react for the tv cameras i understand there's the need for that but look and this is going to sound terrible but like we're in this time right now where like we're questioning political elections. We are, faith in institutions are at an all-time low. If I can't believe in the integrity of the dunk contest, Michael, I've got very few things left in my life. This like,
1: there's no hope if that's <laughs> if that's
0: gone. What are we even doing? Yeah, As,
1: to quote Aaron Gordon, what are we even doing?
0: Can I tell you why it's so frustrating? Especially, I spent all day, really all day Thursday and Friday, trying to basically track down Zion and get some interview time with Zion. On Friday, I was able to do it. We talked for about five minutes. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It happened to be Valentine's Day, and we happened to be talking on a set where there was a rose sticking up out of a table. I don't know what that means uh, in terms of you know my relationship with the player who I've called my very large adult son, but it was very meaningful and loving to me. During that conversation, Zion told me that if the Pelicans were in a good place next year, he would do the dunk contest. Michael, that seemed to me, yes, it was a conditional statement, but it was a very promising statement about, okay, I understand this moment. I also talked to the Jordan brand president, Craig Williams, very, very nice guy. He's new in that role. Took over from Larry Miller Um I hectored him and a few other Jordan Brand executives about giving Zion his own shoe. They were not going to do it just because I said, but I think they might be thinking about it regardless. Um, (laughs) Seems like a good idea. (laughs) uh, He said that when he was watching the Rising Stars game, where Zion and Ja were doing those dunks at the end of that game, it was already going through his mind about, oh man, what a great opportunity it would be for everybody if Zion did the dunk contest next year. And I'm just sitting there thinking these guys aren't good enough for Zion this is below Zion if this is going to be the level of quality of the event I don't want Zion tarnishing his reputation of being drawn into this mess they got to clean this thing up so that uh, Zion can go save the day
1: you know I was thinking about just slam dunk history and I don't want to say I, I blame LeBron James but LeBron never participating in the dunk contest is a low-key just travesty in the history of dunk, the dunk contest and well, it's, look, I mean
0: we're talking goat conversation it's it's not six versus three in terms of the rings part of that conversation but it definitely gets brought up in one of the subheadings no hey I mean MJ lost a dunk contest like it, it's it's okay to lose well Nike did confiscate the tapes, <laughs> so he, he technically he might have but this is like a Houston Astros situation okay <laughs> Fair enough. So, I mean, LeBron doesn't
1: even, he's not even willing to compete because, I mean, I I would assume he doesn't think he can win. If he thought he could win, he would do it. Um, And I think that that's given a pass to a lot of different stars over the years. Now, Blake Griffin is someone who participated in one, and it was very memorable. It wasn't the greatest, um, but it was memorable. And I think, you know, we talk about this all the time, and I think the actual The actual dunk contest was fine with the names that were in it. We don't need superstars to be in the dunk contest for it to be magnificent. But Zion, I mean, Zion would just take it to just a different stratosphere, and that's not arguable. He is one of the best dunkers of all time. He basically broke the rim during the Rising Stars game. He didn't
0: basically break the rim. Yeah, he broke it. He (laughs) tilted the entire backboard. And then he pretended that he didn't do it and was like, I don't think it was me. And everyone's looking around, (laughs) Zion, you're a 285-pound torpedo. There's no one else here capable of doing that.
1: Yeah, that was terrific. So, I mean, I just, I want to see him in the dunk contest. I think it would elevate it to a different level. It would get more eyeballs on it, for sure. Everyone would want to see Zion in the dunk contest. I don't know why he's so hesitant about not wanting to participate. I actually, I saw your interview with him, which was great. And I believe he said, maybe under his breath, that the Pelicans actually had to be the
0: best team in the league. Well, he said if they were the best team in the West, then he would definitely do it. But otherwise he would consider (laughs) it. But that was, okay, so... That was an unnecessary qualifier. I think we could take the first part as, you know, his real mentality, which was just like, look, if they're in a good place, I'll do it. I think that, you know, it's weird for him if they're like a lottery team, they're not building team momentum him to like go do this singular event, right? Like I think he would want it to be sort of this crowning achievement, next step of his career type of
1: thing. Uh, meanwhile, the Orlando Magic are just this juggernaut rolling through the Eastern Conference. But I do
0: think there's different standards for I know, him, I know, right? I know, I like I mean, he's his franchise level, like you're saying, like he has the potential to be the best player in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And so for his own narrative arc, it's weird if it's like, hey, Zion, you're not invited to the All-Star game. I think that's a part of it too, right? Is if the Pelicans are doing well, he'll be an All-Star, so he'll already be there, so it will make sense. I think there's a a realistic chance that he might want to go hang out on a beach if he doesn't make the All-Star game next year, right? Mm -hmm. Because is he going to just show up for the Rising Stars game again? Probably not. Um, But, uh, you know, this all brings me to this idea that Zion was definitely a winner of the weekend. I mean, the ratings for the Rising Stars game were excellent. Um, I think the highest in something like five years. Um, But on top of that, Obama went out of his way to hang out with Zion. And when we're looking for, like, you know, we always talk about for these young guys with their first All-Star weekend, it's all about the validation, right? For your guy Tatum, I mean, he barely played, but he got validated. There's no question about it. Um, Brandon Ingram, another one of your guys, barely played, but definitely got the validation aspect. They get to go through all the media interviews and everything else. But it's, there's a difference between validation and a presidential seal of approval. And Zion went home with the presidential seal of approval at this uh, you know NBA Cares event, where they sit them up side by side, they're shaking hands, they're talking, Obama's telling him about going to the Duke game where Zion blew his shoe out, where I happened to be courtside jinxing Zion. <laughs> um, he talked to him about his recent career highs against the Blazers uh, and everything else. I mean, what a moment for a 19 year old kid and just the sheer joy from Zion. Uh, about that interaction, I mean, that's just like a lifetime winner. And Obama, I mean, here is an absolute Captain Obvious statement. All-time charisma factor going around that room, introducing himself to every single person, shaking hands, turning down Lakers assistant uh, coach Miles Simon for a photograph because he said, look, my foundation guys here are here. They'll get you a photo later. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: I did not know that. That is great.
0: Uh, roasting Jason Kidd for not being able to shoot uh, in front of uh, Luka Doncic and then just buttering up to... Uh, Zion and Trey Young. It was just an absolutely sensational performance by a basketball-holic, and I enjoyed watching every second of it. I don't know why he didn't come over and thank me for all my work on Twitter and Instagram. That was the one thing. Missed
1: opportunity by him.
0: Yeah, it's just this weird invisible wall between famous people and uh, media members. I don't know why that exists, but maybe next year.
1: I was actually, I was at the media availability for the Rising Stars uh, that morning, and then... Uh, I was exhausted because of a flight mishap, so I went back to my hotel afterwards, and I'm, I'm laying in bed, uh, trying to take a nap, scrolling through Twitter, and I see your Twitter account pop up on my timeline, and it's a video of Barack Obama walking into a room that you are also in, with Zion and Trey Young, and... Uh, I think Jama Rant was there's just a lot a lot of players at the uh, NBA cares event and I have never felt more jealous in my entire life. I just want to say that.
0: No, look. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I got my Mount Rushmore this weekend, okay? We're talking about time with Giannis, Zion, Obama and Charles Barkley over like a 72-hour period. I may have peaked in life (laughs) over the last 72 hours, which is why I really haven't slept very often. We have a a message from Health IQ. Are you averaging eight hours of sleep per night? Are you eating a quality plant-based diet? Are you exercising four or more times per week? I would hope the answer to all those questions is yes. If so, you're doing everything right to ensure you live a long life. Isn't it time you're financially rewarded for your commitment to a healthy lifestyle? That's where Health IQ comes in. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on their life insurance. If you're a runner or cyclist, if you're a weekend warrior, a vegetarian or a vegan, then you deserve to be rewarded for your hard work and more affordable life insurance rates. Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else, and you must qualify to get a special rate. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com floor to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending upon your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com floor, and let them know we sent you. And you can start the process with that Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to healthy living. One more time, healthiq.com slash floor. Charles Barkley was incredible, going off about how marijuana makes him want to eat potato chips and how he doesn't want anyone to take medicinal <laughs> marijuana, especially if they're druggies. I mean, he wants them to be smart about it, which is an incredible take. Then him absolutely dumping on the idea that Zach Levine was an all-star snub and saying that anybody who was 5-75 and 75 in the standings has no right to complain about being snubs, which prompted and triggered, really, Bradley Beal for a freakout on Twitter, where he's saying, oh, come on, you made the all-star made team.
1: Great clapback by Brad. Deal.
0: yeah but i also do think he kind of showed himself a little bit there don't you think i mean it, clearly it, it hit a little too close to home that criticism from barkley but um i mean the obama and zion photo opportunity i think i would describe it as one of the cutest dog and prettiest pony shows that i've ever been a part of i mean it was so carefully orchestrated but i'm not even mad about it because the content that came out of it was so good um the players were just genuinely awestruck. I mean, draws, uh, jaws dropped. I actually had one guy on the team. His brother reached out and was like, uh, "You have a video of Obama like shaking my brother's hand. Like, can we get this? Like, my family wants this." So I sent it to him. Obviously, it's like, here you go. So it was one of those things where everybody in the building, media included, NBA staffers included, was just blown away by Obama's presence and. Uh, it also just made me worry. Like, so if Chicago can pull Barack Obama next year in Cleveland, is it going to be Drew Carey or what are we doing here?
1: That's in two years. Oh, thank God! So they have two
0: years to plan for that. So one. Indianapolis, we're gonna. Oh, I probably Bird. If yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> I'm not sure he's on Obama's level, but no. that's something. I and mean, like,
1: I just don't even. know oh, he's no, a, he's aware of.
0: Are we going from Obama to Mike Pence?
1: Oh jeez, I can't. No, that this sounds like a wonderful time to. Uh,
0: Back away from the uh, microphone. checked and- <laughs> the podcast. Hold on. We need to imagine. Let's Okay, so I just described the player's reaction to Obama. Can we imagine the rising star's reaction to Mike Pence walking in the room? Oh, my God. All right. You're right. You're uh, looking very uncomfortable, so I will change the subject. Um, other winner, I would say, would be Charles Barkley. Every time I get one of these summits with the TNT guys, I look forward to it for like two weeks. I probably sent five emails to their PR guy trying to confirm the time. They take us up to the House of Blues. It's an absolute circus, Michael. I mean, there's like hundreds of people downstairs waiting for the live show. We get upstairs. The green room is just like packed wall to wall. Charles leaves the room because he's like fiddling with his dye, and I'm like, oh my God, is he leaving? Is he not going to talk to us? And the PR guys were like, dude, just like chill out. He's coming <laughs> back. Don't worry comes back and he just goes on an absolute just takes masterpiece just like going in on everyone um and i think you know because charles was a winner i think the guys who got snubbed and got called out i would consider them all losers uh with the exception of (laughs) with the exception of devin booker who did back in with the injury replacement spot um but you know we went after those guys pretty hard but frankly nobody does it like chuck michael we're just all aspiring t- takes minute in chuck's shadow
1: i know he is a mentor to you um an iconic figure who you look up to so that must have been just an incredible experience uh, yeah no charles barkley wins all the time except when he loses uh <laughs> he's
0: great <laughs> well here's one thing i'd say about him too and i appreciate this so I don't know, this is like a little inside baseball with the media stuff, but like a few years ago, it would be very weird if you were interviewing someone to have your camera phone out. Like it would be much more normal to just have it recording audio rather than video. Mm -hmm. But because Twitter and Instagram especially have taken off so much, it's like almost become this mandatory thing where like if I have really good access to someone who's famous and their word carries weight, a video is gonna go viral. Whereas if you just transcribe a quote, it might, it might not, but it's not certainly not gonna get as much interaction, right? So when I put the camera in some people's faces, most people at this point are cool with it. Barkley is not only cool with it, he will address your camera as if it's a person. So rather than looking into your eyes, which I think is a great salesman and communication technique, and I try to do it you know, as much as possible. Like right now, I'm staring deep into your soul as I make this yes. incredibly profound point. <laughs> um, Barkley will stare into your phone's eye. So that once it gets online, and he doesn't even have a Twitter account, so this is or Instagram, which is incredible to He me. doesn't even know what those things are. But he just intuitively understands that if he stares directly into the camera, it's going to be a more compelling product. So as he's saying, if your team is five and seventy-five, you don't even deserve the right to be called a snub. He's, he's just yelling at you. It's like you're on FaceTime with Barkley, and Barkley's just like, "By the way, you didn't clean your room. You suck." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's just—it's it, it, such a, a personal an intimate communication style that he has i just think um like you said i'm, I'm a little bit in awe of it and i, I think uh, more people should become familiar with that and you know when they're being interviewed they should you know use it because i think it's a very uh, effective communication technique
1: uh good call uh ben are there any other you know we're going through the winners and losers
0: um well actually i have one for you okay a question your guy bam atabayo Won the Rising, or sorry, run the uh, skills competition. No, you could say he won the Rising Stars even though he didn't participate. I would accept that as well. And we're 50 minutes in and you didn't even mention his name. So I would consider you a loser forgetting about your favorite player. Uh, (laughs) But also, like, take a little victory lap. I mean, it's incredible that
1: he won. First of all, it's incredible that... uh, All the bigs won in the skills... Like, it just really speaks to where the NBA is right now, where big men have guard skills. And so, uh, yeah, Bam going toe-to-toe with Doma Sabonis in the finals. I don't think anyone in the universe thought that that would happen. Uh, Bam is a total freak of nature, incredible in every way. Uh, It only took him, I think, three attempts to hit the three, uh, which is... Like He's not a three-point shooter, but he just gets it done. So shout-out to him for winning. Uh, incredible performance. I'm a big fan. The Miami Heat uh, could have swept all of the uh, all the events on Saturday night. They had Bam doing the Skills Challenge. They had Derek Jones Jr. winning the dunk contest, as controversial as it was. And Duncan Robinson was unfortunately unable to pull it out in the three-point shootout, uh, which I guess we should also talk about that for maybe one second because it was an awesome ending and uh, Buddy Heal basically won at the buzzer after last year just coming up short. Uh, so uh, that was cool and Buddy is awesome and a really uh, enjoyable player and cool personality
0: so that was uh, fun to see as well Well, you don't need to go that far you can just say congratulations on winning the three-point <laughs> contest I mean I mean he, I'm sure he's a nice guy Michael but come on I'm not gonna forgive him for the money hands during the preseason I certainly am not gonna forgive him for the Sacramento Kings record I'm the only thing I'm happy about Buddy Heald is he didn't try to get into the snub nonsense and like try to throw himself out there as an all-star snub it seems like all the other guys like him the Zach Levines of the world certainly were a little bit too ambitious with that um, I feel like if you looked at his Twitter drafts folder, it would, <laughs> it, would it would really show the true buddy, though. That's absolutely true. Um, he's probably in his mind thinking, yeah, win the three-point contest <laughs> this year, Kobe Bryant MVP award next year. Um, so let's wrap it up, actually, with just sort of like a state-of-the-league-type winners and losers here. Um, Adam Silver had a very extended press conference on Saturday night. There he spoke at length about Kobe Bryant and David Stern, honoring both, trying to draw some parallels between the two of them in terms of their competitive spirit, um, how they pushed people around them to be better, and how also after they left their jobs, you know, Kobe retiring and and David Stern stepping down as commissioner and, and, uh, you know, basically pursuing his life after that, Both wound up kind of being in this mentorship role or a more friendly role where they were almost able to relax a little bit in ways they hadn't before and connect with a lot of people around the league. Adam called uh, Stern his mentor and very close friend. He said, you know, obviously Kobe Bryant's death was unimaginable and the death of Gianna was unimaginable. And then I think the highlight of the. the entire press conference was this idea that they're naming the all-star game MVP trophy after Kobe Bryant. And there's only a few trophies in the NBA named after people. There's the Bill Russell uh, finals MVP trophy. Mm-hmm. There's the Larry O'Brien uh, finals trophy, just the championship trophy. And then there's the J Walter Kennedy citizenship award. Um, so those were the major ones named after people. And now the Kobe Bryant all-star game MVP. Of course, Kobe made 18 all-star games, He was a four-time All-Star Game MVP. He had some incredible All-Star Game moments along the way, including duels with Michael Jordan and LeBron and the broken nose from Dwayne Wade, which I think people forget, did happen in an All-Star Game, which is incredible... And a concussion. There you go. Uh, Just an incredible wrinkle to the competitiveness, uh, competitiveness side of Kobe Bryant. I'm wondering, in the entire weekend of these Kobe Bryant tributes... What did you make of them? What did you think the feel was this weekend in terms of, you know, melancholy, somber, serious? What did you think of the tributes at Sunday's All-Star game to him? And then what did you think of this idea that the trophy is now going to be named in his honor?
1: Uh, I mean, first of all, I, th- I think it's, it's good to have the trophy named after Kobe. Um, th- the league did not announce any uh, official tribute to David Stern. Um, I think they they Adam Silver said that they were still uh, discussing different ways that they would figure that out going forward. Um, but for Kobe, like I was I was honestly anticipating coming into the weekend it being, a lot more emotional uh, than I think it was. Um, You know, there were several tributes, there was Magic Johnson spoke uh, before the actual All-Star game on the court, said some nice words. Uh, Pau Gasol got choked up, I believe that was, was that before the Rising Stars game?
0: Yep, on Friday night he came out to center stage and it was pretty emotional, he had a hard time getting through it.
1: Yeah, so I thought that that was a very nice moment uh... speaking to his uh... his brother as was what he said um, and uh, besides that i mean nothing really springs to mind uh, as uh... just in terms of uh... emotional uh... something that was emotionally touching um, or something that i'll remember uh, i think that you know over the past few weeks we've gone through a lot of different things um, uh, in particular, uh, what really stands out is the first game that the Lakers played, and I don't think that anything could have topped that emotionally on that level. And uh, but it, all in all, I think that you know, giving number two for for GG to uh, one team and number twenty four for the other, uh, adding uh, having the winning team uh, have to score twenty four more points than. Uh, I'm just totally mumbling through the rules of the All-Star game, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, so those were very nice, and I hope that they continue as well. That would be very, uh, that would be an honor. And going forward, it's it's just really cool that they named the, the All-Star MVP trophy after Kobe.
0: I think it was very fitting that they named the trophy after him. I also thought it was interesting that LeBron, who often uses his All-Star media day pulpit to sort as almost like a state of the union thing, where if he has something that's on his mind, he comes out. So he's named his Mount Rushmore of players before he has argued for stricter gun control before, Um, you know, he has, uh, you know, made other various statements uh, of note during those all-star media days at this one, you know, he was asked about Kobe and he said, look, that stays with me. You know, he didn't really want to get into it. Um, You know, he said it was still a very sensitive time. And I do think that for a lot of the weekend, in part because there was these tributes coming and the timing was so short after the crash, it was pretty somber. It was not quite that same, you know, pure celebration um, as in years past. And the pregame ceremony was really extended. I mean, they went long with the video tribute, the musical tribute. Obviously, there was another musical tribute at halftime. And it, For the players, it was unavoidable, I think. I mean, I think that some of them, especially the ones who had a relationship with Kobe, were, um, you know, affected by it. You know, certainly not to the same degree as that Lakers game that you mentioned, but it was definitely a factor. Um, I thought Jennifer Hudson, you know, was beautiful, the the way she sang. Uh, People seemed to like the halftime show. I I wasn't able to watch it because they had this crazy screen blocking our view in the media section, but it sure sounded good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The only thing that, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, I liked a lot of what Common did, especially the part where he was honoring Kobe. But when he did the player introductions, it just bordered a little bit too much on Dr. Seuss for me with the with the rhyme schemes. I wouldn't bring that back. I was really impressed that he was getting all of them until someone told me that he had a prompter. And then I was like, oh, if he had memorized that entire rhyme and like... Yeah, I'm gonna rhyme some random word with Adenakumpo. <laughs> like that okay. would have been
1: one thing, but it was whack, dude. Come on. No, no, no. Common was great. Uh, a plus. Common is a winner of <laughs> of the weekend for 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 that introduction. I mean, we're comparing it to what Kevin Hart did, basically, right? From so from that perspective, it is just a brilliant display.
0: That's a very fair point and I'm actually going to get leave you there with the last word. Congratulations. <laughs> he was better than Kevin Hart. He gets to be considered a winner. He wasn't as good as the real Dr. Seuss, but I'm going to give it to him. Michael, thank you so much for bearing with me on this late night podcast. I know you've got an early flight uh, tomorrow, so I wish you good luck with your travels. Hopefully, it's easier leaving than it was arriving. Um, Guys, email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. We will be back to our regularly scheduled programming, coast-to-coast podcasting, as we always do, later this week. Until then, Michael, I will talk to you.
1: I'll talk to you soon, Ben.